Welcome back to another edition of the Power Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Bertie. Hi, how's it going? And Forty. Hey, hey, hey. And Ham. Howdy ho. And your host, Hamish. Now, Ham, scared turtle. <laughs> He's back. He's, he's crawled out from under the shell. So uh, Ham, Ham down in the nation's capital, and you were feeling the cold along with uh, our, our uh, Dill Brown? Oh, mate, it was as soon as that sun set, it was lingering around as in my eyes for a little bit. But as soon as it set, that wind just turned to ice. Just That's like those, um, those concrete bowl stadiums, and ANZ's bad for this as well, is as soon as it gets cold, that, that concrete just sucks up the cold and makes everything worse. Oh, there's just and there's no there's no natural barrier down in Canberra for people that haven't been. There's no trees. There's no like you got you got obviously the grandstand around the back, but on the sides there's just nothing. Yeah, it's open ended on both sides, so just the wind cuts through. Uh, did you get a clap at least? Stay warm. Uh, at, at the end, we did. <laughs> you can I, when I come home, I watch the game and sort of about four, when uh, Rapina drops the ball, you can actually if you listen very closely. You can hear the paramaterials section doing the clap. I, was, I just want to say. I was hoping you get caught on the live stream for the New South Wales Rugby League TV doing the clap for Flag and Cup. <laughs> you hear that, Raiders fan? Send your hate to Hamish. It was a little bit too early, but, <laughs> you know, everyone went on about, oh, Penrith did it. They did it at their home ground where 99% of the people there were Penrith fans. We did it at their home ground. That's this is right. the second year in a row. Exactly. We've gone down there and we've Viking clapped the Raiders. <laughs> So that's upper level disrespectful field guy, eh? Exactly. All right, that is advanced BM tactics in terms of the NRL, so well done, Ham. All right, well, let's jump firstly into the results of the Harvey Norman New South Wales Women's Premiership. Unfortunately, going down 28-4, as we said, a lot of these players playing up from the um, Tasha Gales. So, against, well, just look at the try scorers on the other side, a double to Isabel Kelly, <laughs> the headline for the New South Wales origin team. So, um, yeah. It's it's a tough slog this year. Not shut out though. Uh, That's a good start. In in more positive news, um, Patessa Leo played in our Tasha Gale. She scored a try in Mounties' forty to six win on the weekend. Yeah, we have. Uh, I think the club announced uh, as part of that big uh, week of ju- not just junior but junior and senior origin selections that six of our Tasha Gale prospects had graduated to the Harvey Norman's Women's Premiership. Uh, and I mean, uh, looking at this team list, you look at Tamira Liardi, Catalina Vave, Rosemary Beckett, Ruby John Kennard. Uh, Talisha Maeva, and then you mentioned uh, uh, Petalina Atoa, right? Was it Atoa or uh, Leo? Leo, sorry, Atoa is the front row. Uh, so yeah, there's a, a whole stack of them playing, which is very, very good stuff. Insofar as individual play development towards a potential NRLW debut. And just on that, uh, in the news, former AFLW player Brooke Walker signs with the Eels. She was meant to sign play with us last year, wasn't? Uh, well, earlier this year, I guess. Yeah, I, I read somewhere that. Was supposed to, but because the it was pushed back or something. Yeah, like that. and yeah. AFLW was running at the same time or something like that. Yeah, so let's hope she's more Brook Runner than Brook Walker. <laughs> no, no, she can be Brook. She can be the best Walker in the NRL. That's all the NRL affiliated uh, whole code thing. She can uh, knock over Cody and Sam and be the reigning Walker champion. So yeah, that that one on the surface value looked really bizarre. It's like, whoa, AFL to NRL is not really a transferable set of skills. But then you look at her and she's been heavily involved in rugby sevens and has actually already uh, started playing rugby league. So she should be one that would be very interesting to see how she progresses for the Eels later this year. Yeah, I was going to say, surely they they would be targeting um you know the rugby sevens chicks. It's just a similar like transition. But AFL, it's interesting. She might be you know have a you know. Pretty high fitness, you know, tank essentially. So it'll be interesting to see where she plays. What position do you reckon she'll play? Fullback. 
fullback. No, we we just, got a pretty good fullback already, don't we? If if we can get it back again this we year, we won't be able to. Oh, the, time, the time for an ACL is no way. There's you get it back next year if you're lucky, or if you're lucky, there's bloody knee injuries. Yeah. Yep. Um, has the the women's and uh, uh, Blues team been named? Uh, we have three in the extended squad, a squad of 21 or 22. Uh, Samima Taufa, Tiana Penatani, and then Philomena Hanisi were all selected for the Blues. Cheers. It's been washed out by the, the, the men's squads yeah. being announced. I'm trying to find it on New South Wales and uh, we also, website. We but. also had a few uh, players named. So we had the City vs. Country, uh, was it 16s, 18s, and then open age ladies? I think, Ham, is that right? Or they... It was um, 16s and 18s for City of, City of Country, wasn't it? I think it's 19s. Was it 19s? Okay. But we, we had uh, we had some players playing that. Uh, Charlie Geimer scored a try in the 19s. And oh, it, sorry. The men's was uh, the yeah, 18s. Uh, 18s. Then we had Ethan Sanders be close to man of the match in the same game. And then in the 16s, uh, it was one of our bench forwards, Ham, uh, edge, edge back rower. Jordan Uta. Jordan Uta scored a double. So... That was good for them in that one. And then we had a stack of ladies make the City vs. Country. If I can just quickly pull up the – there was a news release on this a while back. We had a stack of our players make rep teams going up to the Gold Coast or the Sunshine Coast. I think it was the Gold Coast to play the uh, schoolgirls carnival or equivalent of the school schoolboys carnival there. I know that Ruby John Kenner, Talisha Maeva, and was it Jacinta Tui? I believe so, yes. And maybe Rosemary Beckett too. Uh Sorry, I'm trying to quickly find this and it's blurring in of all the stuff we did. Uh, there is that. You guys keep talking. I'll quickly look. Well, we're about to move on to um, to the flag, so we've got to, got to get you finished there. Yeah, well, there's the City vs. Country. And is it just before? There's Tiana Penitani re-signing. I am drawing a blank here. But there, essentially there's uh, – and we had also had a Queensland. Oh, no, we had two Victoria reps here. Uh, uh, not Alicia Bell. It was our other winger. Um, hey, you put him on the spot here. Great radio. Yeah. <laughs> Quality radio here. I'm, I'm doing um, okay off the top of my head here. Come on. Um, don't worry. Congratulations to all the women yeah, congratulations on Congratulations to all of them on their selections, obviously. Um, yeah. And it's, I will get feedback because the, the tournament takes place, I think, uh, in June or, or July maybe. So uh, we'll get some feedback on that as it happens. All right. Let's jump into the flag now. So uh, – a washout here. Eels 40 to the Raiders nil. Um, even having a player in the bin couldn't assist the Raiders to get on the scoreboard. Um, so try scorers, uh, Komalafi, uh, Natili Schmidt, Tateo, Skinner-Jones and Ethan Sanders with a double. And then Ethan Sanders, uh, five conversions, Louis one. And as I said, the, the Sinbin, Taylor Moala in the 57th minute. So these games go for 70 minutes. Yeah. Um, so... Ham, you were down there, even though this game was streamed as well. Yeah, no, I was down there. Might as well make a day out of it. It's only it's only a three-hour drive there and a three-hour drive back, so it's not too bad. But from what I saw, like they started the game pretty slowly. Well, they didn't score until the twenty-second minute. They, but then once they got there, like they were just scoring at will by the end. There, um, the move that Andre Louis from halves to fullback. We've seen him early this year. He was playing that half, like controlling the ball really well. Um, like playing that really controlled. And then as soon as he moved to fullbacks, like a switch went off in his head. I didn't realize how fast he was. He was just gliding past players. He was stepping them. He just seemed to be really comfortable at fullback. I think that might sort of be, that might be his position going forward. Um, he was really good. Um, Tua Williams got injured, unfortunately. Kamalafi, 
talking about speed, that first try that he scored, he breezed past the defence. Um, oh, best player on the field, probably Cruz Natili Schmidt. Um, he's had some solid games in the past, but this one he just he broke out. He was carving them up up the middle, um, set up the try for uh, Peter Tatio with a break, scored his own from dummy half. Uh, Beetham Misa, I think it's his starting game since returning from a leg injury. Peter Tatio, strong game. They just well, when you win forty nil, you're going to have standouts all across the park, and to keep a jersey flag team to nil, that's that's very good. So that speaks more to me about our commitment and the talent in the team keeping the Braves to nil rather than scoring the 40 points. And uh, Tony Mattelli, unfortunately, didn't play this game, Ham. I think he got dumped on his head late in that game against Manly the week before. But we got to see the big hyphen ripping back in just two games back from a long layoff. Uh, yeah, Jonte Jr. looking real sharp, very encouraging. He was one of the good young prospects that we've been watching for a while alongside uh, Peter Tateo in that same sort of age group there. And it's, yeah, just good to see a relatively healthy flag team sort of bring it all together. They were still missing some serious firepower from this game. Uh, their captain, Corey Fenning, Charlie Geimer, a couple other blokes as well. But, you know, the, this is a team we've been very high on throughout the entire process. And at times it's felt like we've been making excuses for them because that's how tough it's been. So many injuries and suspensions within their own ranks. But it also, you know, the promotions to Cup because of all the depth being drawn on in that grade. And, yeah, just really, really cool to see them just put it all together. Like you said, blanking a team in the flag is a serious achievement for the grade, and they just played really good football. Yeah, and well, you look at it now, they're only three points outside the top six. Yeah, so they were. it felt like they were so far away in the one regard because they were second to last, but suddenly a good win puts them right back in the mix. And I think they actually, because there's a whole logjam of teams on the three wins or four wins now, but that 40 points of four and against they accrued puts them at the top of that queue now. So they're yeah, right back in it. Yeah, absolutely. So. Oh, actually, yeah, it would be. Oh, no, because, yep, yeah, no. Nah. So they've had a draw and they've – oh, Canberra have had two buys, so we'd actually move up above them with the Parramatta So the dogs buy. are ahead of us with the draw, but we're yeah, – So we'll actually move two, two, point two places up. Yeah, exa- yes, exactly, because there's teams that have uh, better – a worse for and against, sorry, but have the extra buy in hand. So technically we are uh, ahead of them right now. Because yeah. we've got – everyone's got the same amount of wins – Oh, no, it's yeah. – yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, so really good to see the flag put it all together. Is it the turning point in their season? Got to remain to be seen. But getting on the road to Canberra and putting that sort of victory on the board on a team that had just, you know, pantsed you a few weeks ago is exactly what the uh, the flag needed. And they haven't got the buy next week, so they're going to just keep building. So they're going to just hopefully take this win and run, uh, run with it. Also helps getting some healthy. Oh, yeah, healthy, huge. Yeah, health yeah, huge. yeah, the fact that the NRL is now healthy – means they're not drawing upon the cup, which is, means they're not drawing upon flag. And the the flag was the, the grade that was by far the most drained in terms of talent because of that uh, crisis in the NRL. And, yeah, now that they're healthy and they're getting some big pieces back from their own grade, uh, grade whether it's, uh, you know, Matelli, uh, Jonte Jr., Beth and Misa, uh, and a couple other guys in that regard. It's just, yeah, they've got a real chance to make a, a run with what they started in round 12. All right, well, let's jump into the New South Wales Cup. And so that saw the Eels getting home late, 30-28 to 28 over the Raiders. Uh, Tri-scorers Zach Asini, Mecca Sivo returns to the um, tri-scorer circles. Actually, I think he got one last week as well. Two last week. No. Two week. Yeah. Luke Bain, uh, the big 
the hot rod, Kai Rodwell and Mitch Rain. Uh, Jordan Rankin, four or five off the boot. Uh, penalty goals for Rankin and uh, Raiders with a missed two-point field goal attempt. Ten all at half time. So, um, yeah, came home pretty late in that one. The penalty shot made in the 75th minute. Yeah, this shows you why you shouldn't be lazy attacking a kicker. Uh, so the, the Eels really got bailed out by a sloppy play on Jack A. Williams from the defender there, turned his back and just cannoned into him, giving us a huge piggyback down the field because that's a, a spot of the ball foul instead of being a spot of the actual foul location. And yeah, we've got to take the two-point goal. This was a odd game, Ham. I don't, I don't know how you guys saw this. Eels had some really good moments. I thought Jake Arthur was just pulling the strings uh, beautifully throughout long stretches, but then he has a bad play and essentially – uh, not just a try assist for the Canberra Raiders. We uh, get a little bit sloppy, invite them in. And and to be fair, the Canberra Raiders team, you look at that roster that they put out there, and it's a very respectable uh, team in terms of NRL experience. Semi Valame, Matt Frawley, Sam Williams, Emery Gula, uh, Corey Harrower and Aira. Harry Rushton's played a bit of NRL too, I believe. And then you look at the sort of the young guys that got in there that are talented. We've, we've mentioned Trey Mooney in the past when speaking about former Reels at the Raiders. And also a player that impressed in this game was uh, Raiden Burns. Not Braden Burns, but Raiden Burns. Yeah, he was very good, very yeah. quick off the mark. He caused, he caused some issues for our defense, very sharp as a ball runner. And yeah, so the Canberra Raiders had a, a more than formidable outfit across the park there. Uh, it was, you know, even though they weren't perfect, still too good. Really solid win. Once again, going on the road to Canberra in those conditions is always tough. And this uh, this win actually lifts them up into a share of fourth place with the Bulldogs, I think. Yes, it does. But yeah, it was, it was, a, good, it was a good win. Um, didn't think they'd get there in the end. It sort of seemed to be going one and one. Yeah. You know, one team would score, the other yeah. team would score not too long after, which, you know, very frustrating as a fan. But at the end of the day, like, you know, we, we both teams had experience experienced campaigners, both teams had young guys coming through, so it's probably about as evenly matched as you're going to get um, in terms of that. But, the th- you know, it's always good to have a win. Um, when you're going up against Sam Williams, Matt Frawley, they might not be the best players, but when they're well, playing... Well, by NRL great. levels, they're not that great, but for Cup, that yeah, is very a good. very solid um, house-bearing. I thought Woody had a good second stint mm-hmm. when he came back off the bench. He was uh, running hard, really, you know, pushing past tackles, bending the line, what about doing that sort Brendan of stuff. Beefcake Hands named the prop forward? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Obviously, you really, didn't really notice him. No, nah, he got for a lot, he got for a lot of tackles and made a couple yeah. of runs. But uh, Kai Robwell played prop with uh, hands playing the small yeah. ball lock forward. Bloody um, card right, bloody <laughs> card right. Makes the biggest line break. Does the Sean Lane line break, and then he throws an intercept. My goodness, he looked inside. He looked outside. Both, both, both options were covered by defenders. Needed to just take the tackle, but in true Bryce Cartwright fashion, throws the ball, throws a speculator, throws a no look pass, and it's it's intercepted. So Luke Bain was uh, reasonable off the bench. Party there, uh, but this was a game. the The player stats were just released this evening. I, I recorded the tip sheet with sixties earlier today, and we didn't have the have the stats available then. But having a chance to look over them. It was very much, it sort of spoke to what you were saying, Ham, of a tit-for-tat game. I don't think statistically many eels, you know, we're used to having a couple of players really pump up the big numbers. In this game, I think you'll probably look at Woody as probably the pick of the forwards on the stat sheet. He got 141 metres off, I think, 15 carries. Just quickly checking now. Oh, 14 carries. So very efficient clip there, 10 metres a carry. Uh, but aside from that, you had Cartwright go for 110, Rodball 120, uh, and that was the pick of the forwards. In the back line, lots of sole contributors. Rankin, 135 metres. Sevo, 130. Uh, Cini, 94. Perham, 111. 
Uh, and then in terms of the, the defense, there's, I mean, once again, you have 28 points scoring, you're going to miss some tackles. And even some of our good defenders in this game uh, weren't as efficient as they otherwise would have been. Kai Robbo, 34 tackles, but five missed. Uh, Mitch Rain, very good though, 49 tackles, two missed. Uh, Tavita Talma Penny got 16 tackles, zero missed in the front row. Uh, and then off the bench, Brennan Hands, off the bench, he was starting at prop. <laughs> 32 tackles, three missed, which is okay. So yeah, it's just, I don't think this was a flashy game. I don't think this is a game they're going to look back and say, we, we you know, want to try and learn something from this. They got the job done in a you know fairly sort of torrid situation for them because uh, I think their, their coaching situation is a little bit nebulous at the moment. Uh, Ryan Carr, I think, has stepped up to primarily NRL duties and I think he's still doing what he can for the cup. But I don't think they've got a named coach right now or if they do, I think it's still Carr, but probably not as focused as he could be otherwise. So good win. Yeah. Like really, um, really I just want to add on to the end of that. Based on the past two games, I don't think Sevo or Russell have done anything to to force their way into. Yeah, they haven't. Grade. They haven't been bad, like by any means, but they also haven't been dominant. And they just, yeah, Sevo's sort of it just seems like the same old Sevo's just sort of, you know, not not running into contact, not trying to break tackles. He's you know getting tackled, play the ball, score, try, like be on the end of a back line. Um, Shawnee's doing all right. I just think. He's probably just feeling the effects and trying to get more confidence back. But um, I mean, and we're now in a situation where there's no need to rush him, which is no, uh, right. which is ideal. Right. He can just feel himself out, know when his body's ready to go to the next level. Because but yeah, for, for people expecting one of the two to come back in a first grade, based on what I've seen, I don't think either are ready to come back in or haven't either forced their way into that lineup. It's a long two weeks. There's plenty of uh, training to be done to impress in that regard too. So they're going to have a chance to press their claims in a post sessions. But yeah. Like like you said, Ham, uh, they're both neither have been poor, but neither of you know. Sometimes you'll see a player, and we, you know we we see it in the Eels as well. You'll see a guy drop back to the grade, whether it's for form or injury, and they're a proven first grade, and they let you know about it. Like they just dominate the grade by by miles. Yeah, and, that's right. And it hasn't been the case for Seville Russell, and understandably, you know, for Sean he had a catastrophic rib injury, and and for Micah he had a very serious knee injury, and they're both trying to sort of feel their way back to full fitness. Good chat, good chat. Um, but yeah, a, a spot should be earned coming back into the first grade, and it's a very good reminder, especially given that Wanga um, slotted straight back into that wing spot. And um, I oh. guess whilst they're not banging the door down, um, BA sees him as a suitable replacement. And it also helps that Tom Opacek is just, he is so solid, just gets the job done. He's not flashy. Origin Opacek. <laughs> exactly. But he just he, he just gets the job done, and he's not flashy. He's not you know a highlight player, but geez, he's such a good glue player, like one of those guys that you you don't talk about too much because he just does his job. All right, well let's jump into the first grade. Uh, five tries to three victory, twenty eight to the Eels to twenty to the Raiders. Um, try scorers: Will Penasini, Dill Brown with a double, and Bailey Simonson. The revenge game: a double, uh, and then for the Raiders, Sebastian Chris got a double, and Elliot Whitehead as well. But most importantly, kept the Raiders uh, off the score trying list in the second half with only one penalty goal, um, which is a bit of a head scratcher. Um, let's just <laughs> run through some of the stats. Uh, sorry, I did have them up, and then NRL.com decides Before, to be painful. I'll give you. I'll give you some cover while you. I got them. I got them. I got them. I got them. I, I, I had it. Okay, I'll save it. 
<laughs> Raiders 52 to 48% possession, and they completed 87% to our 75%. Uh, just having a look at some of the stats, they outgained us by about 40 metres, uh, had about 100 post-contact metres over the top of us. We had seven line breaks to two, that being the real big difference mm-hmm. there. Average set distance, pretty similar. Kick return metres, well, they had about 100 more, and that's because Moses was bombing them down the field all day. Jesus has got a uh, <laughs> Jeez, he's got an absolute cannon. <laughs> Plate the ball speed, almost four seconds to the Raiders was pretty slow as well, about 3.9 seconds. Uh, what else is there? Kick defusal, uh, bombs, no. Effective tackles, us up at 87% to the Raiders, 85. Uh, missed tackles, we had 30, Raiders 39. And intercept each, we had 27 ineffective to Raiders 21 ineffective. 14 errors there to the Raiders 8. We conceded five penalties to the Raiders 1. A ruck infringement each, and the Raiders had two inside 10 metres. And that's about all she wrote. So I'll start with you, um, Birdie. Yeah, um, I thought this was B- Bailey Simonson's revenge game because... It seemed like every run he made and every tackle he made was to prove the Raiders wrong. You know, they flicked him for, at the time, an overweight Nick Kotrick, who went backwards at the Bulldogs. And, yeah, you look at the first set, like, Wonga Blake and him both rushing in and making contact. Like, I don't mind if you rush in, but don't look like a goose just standing there looking at the ball. you got to make contact. And, yeah, every run he did was, um you know, hard running, hard yardage. And, you know, he's not the biggest swinger out there, but, man, he just he gives his body all. And other than that, uh... We just defended a lot this whole game. Like, Raiders had plenty. Their offloads were um, killing us. Lee and, and uh, Joseph Tappany just kept offloading it. But um, other than that, like, Wyden didn't really scare us. Like, only, only that one kick at the end in the air because he's an aerial threat. But other than that, Savage is, he, he's, you know, he's average at fullback. But, uh, you know, it's, I'm glad we got the win. They just scored some easy tries. Let's be honest. Every try they scored, you know, one of them was all players were playing you know, on the ground. Literally, it was stacks on in the middle for a second. And, yeah... It's just, I don't think that drop on, like, drop ball. Like, it just seems like Raiders took advantage of all the thing and all, they took advantage of everything. And, um, yeah, without them, you know, it would have been even a less scoreline. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with, um, we only got two points in the second half, you know, our defense stepped up in the second. Yeah, other than that, pretty good win. That second half really reminded me of the game against Penrith. Yeah, big, big vibes. That's it. I said exactly the same thing earlier today when I was talking to 60s. Very similar vibes because in that game against Penrith, Opposition had all the ascendancy, all the field position, all the running, and we just soaked up the pressure. Same thing in this game. You mentioned those stats before, Hamish, but the Canberra Raiders played some serious football in this game, and they, they threw a lot at us, and we just absorbed it all and then delivered some monster counter blows. Well, that's the thing. Like You go back to that Penrith game. We could barely get out of our 30. It was Mitchell Moses' kicking game. He constantly kicking down inside the 20, inside the 10, getting them on the back foot from that absorbing their pressure. You know, Penrith did score those two tries um, in the second half against us uh, in in our game. We also scored two tries against them. So very similar in terms of attack. Um, better defense, obviously, the uh, Canberra aren't as good as uh, Penrith in attack. But that game we could have won by eight points, I thought. You know, we, we didn't take the right options at the end there. But talking about this game, we just, we just absorbed all that pressure, absorbed all that pressure. And then when the opportunity was right... Laney's pass to Dylan Brown was sort of nothing was happening. Rapina comes shooting out of the line and Dill with his sprained ankle just breeze past him. And then that ball from Nathan Brown to put Sean Lane through that gap. Boy, that was you know, you talk about that's that's what breaks teams apart. It's not those long passes. It's what I've been saying for a while. I've been wanting Reed to do it. But it's those short passes around the ball with soft hands. Like that was players in motion, Dill backing up and, you know, 
winning the game from there. Like that, that was that was a really really nice play. Any anything else? Small vibe from oh. the stadium. Oh, um, oh, I've already mentioned the that that try that Bailey Simonson scored. My goodness, actually, I, I had to rewatch it on the on the replay because I didn't really see it. But like when you see Junior Borlo, he's he doesn't see Mitchell Mitchell Moses. There. He just he knew the guys to his right. Yeah. I don't even know. He looks, he sees Will Penasini. He actually throws the offload too hard. And then it just so happens that um, the English forward pushed Moses in the back, which, you know, well, should be Moses. Like Moses was made a flubber, wasn't he? He got absolutely reamed off the ball and then yeah. bounced up in a flash of set. Yeah, like, yeah. why didn't he get charged? That was Hudson Young. I think he hit him late. Yeah, it was. Like, I, it's because it's Mitchell Moses. Si- Simonson got um, uh, old Fogarty back. Uh, yeah. Pretty good. Oh my! He, he is. That is a big part of his skill set. He comes off the wing and absolutely tattoos people. He hits. He does hard. not miss. Yeah. But see, that's chest on chest. This is Mitchell Moses. He's got his back turned. Like this is a textbook. Yeah, it was, it was um, a big he, push in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talk about whiplash effect, and we got a penalty against us for a whiplash effect of Murata near Kore later on in the match. But yeah, you watch that try. Like everything went wrong in that play. It was last tackle. Mitchell didn't put the kick in. He. It, Decides to turn on the inside to Murata. Junior Barlow sees Will Penasini there, throws the offload too hard, gives it to Mitchell Moses instead. And then from there, he did the perfect play where he took used his speed, got on the outside, two-on-one, draw and pass. Oh, the tremendous finish. And then Bailey Simonson. Jeez, just Birdie mentioned it before. It's his best game. You know, he I think one of his first first or second run put Tom Opacic through um, – through a hole, through um, eleven tackle busts. By the way, he he was he had spiders on him. They could not tackle him. Yeah, no, it was a really good game from Bailey, and I think that um, you know, he's I said it a couple of weeks ago. He's settled in. He's just building on that now. I think we'll we'll start to see the best of Bailey come come from here on. I, you know how sometimes it's more so in American sports, but even in the NRL, sometimes games are so good or have something so iconic happen that they get given a subtitle. You talk like the Battle of Brookvale and whatnot. You know. This was the Dylan Brown game. Uh, the guy scores two tries, breaks the line three times, and this is all on one leg or close to one leg. He busted his ankle badly in the first half just before Oranges. Does it again in the second half, like re- reoccurring it. In between those two things, he, he has a saves a try for cover tackle and then you know scores another try. Just absolute Spartan. He, he is so tough and so skilled at just 21 years of age. The, I don't think there's a football... He, in a way, he reminds you of Kieran Foran in, in some ways, just being so tough and, and that skill set that is quite similar, being a, a run first half. But even against Foran, Dill has just got that extra gear. He, he's got some tackle breaking build that even Foran didn't have as tough as he played. And and as good as Foran was as a defender, and he once again comes back to his toughness, putting his body on the line, Dylan is just in a class above with his speed to be able to save stuff that other players cannot. So... He was incredible in this game. And as good as other guys like Bailey Simonson and Mitchell Moses, a couple of the forwards were very handy too. Uh, junior, uh, if you take away Ice's botched try assist, or, or no, non-try, I suppose, non-try assist, and uh, Ryan Madison too, who had a bad offload, but otherwise was outstanding. Lots of great contributors to a 28-point to 20 victory. Dylan was still so far and away the best player in the park. It's crazy at just 21 years of age. Yeah. You know, if, uh, after Brad Arthur saw the error of his ways of playing him at centre, how could he ever do that? 
Man, he ran. He sort of he bumped off uh, Josh Papali. Yeah, you don't see that too often. Oh. He well, I mean, we saw it. that last year, so it must be you know. Well, that was that was Papali on Papali violence last year. This time it was a five eight on on uh, uh, one of the toughest middle forwards in the game who got a square on look at him too. And, and that, you know, I, I I remember seeing people going, "Oh, Dylan can only step off the left foot." That try, oh, yeah, he steps off the left initially and beats Papa, but then he steps back off the right and just like cruises to the line. Yeah, what about like, his, his catch-up speed on the Sean Lane break too? Just oh, gets in there. I still don't – you know, we've seen it in the papers. We've seen it whatever. Dylan Brown runs 33 kilometres an hour, Dylan Brown. I still don't think we've seen Dylan Brown at his fastest. I truly think if he was put in a foot race, he would be – he's already the fastest half. Yeah, but you know, you, know what he, you know what he is as well? There are guys that are just absolute sprinter athletes in the NRL – and you, you put them in a normal track race and they'll score things. Dylan's one of those guys that doesn't lose speed with the football in hand. He just, yeah. he's got the, the same gear and he is such a special athlete. And yeah, I mean, he had his baggers last year and I think we stuck firm with him by, by and large to a man. Uh, and obviously Ham and I have had the luxury of, or the, the privilege to have seen him come through the grades. But, you know, we always knew he had a ceiling that's right up there. And I don't think he's reached it yet. He's just beginning to tap into what he can be as an NRL player. And, yeah, uh, I think that as much as we talk about the back rowers at the club being a priority to get fixed up for next year, and that, that is true because we've lost Ice and Murata and, you know, Madison's a free agent too and you want to keep him. I think the real story is I know it deal is contracted for next year, but he's the, he is the real story. You get him locked up long-term. You've got Mitchell Moses locked up long-term. And those two pieces – and Guffo's there too, obviously, but those two pieces in particular, you just build a team around those two. Like you can put whoever you need to in the other spine positions, pending injury or form. You can just start, you know, getting forwards to, to come to us because you've got the, one of the best hardest bearings in the competition. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you forget how young he is. He's, this is his fourth year in first grade. He's just about to play. He's, you know, 66 games into it. The halves, you know, players take time. And when you see that they've got something early on and like, We've won, since he's been in the team, we've won two out of every three games. That's not all on Dill, but he is a large reason why we are just a consistently winning team nowadays. And for all those people that saw him coming up through the grades, what, back from, did he play? Uh, he played he played SG Ball. Did he, he play Mats? Yeah. He did play Mats. Yeah. In that now, time, he only lost, he didn't lose a game, actually. Yeah, because you were tracking, weren't you, Ham, that he went through, he became a part of the team that won the SG Ball. Uh, title as well. So he, he, yeah, because the game that they lost in his tenure, he was out injured, so he didn't play that game. He actually didn't lose until Jersey Flag. So there you go, a little interesting stat about that Dylan Ger- Brown. That that well, it was then the Holden Cup of that team he came into as a seventeen-year-old in under twenties. He took him to the grand final. Yeah, so, yeah. D- Dill has consistently elevated every single team he's been a part of, and it's easy to see why looking at him now in the NRL. But he just has such a unique skill set. He's a pound-for-pound pound monster. He breaks tackles that he shouldn't have any right to, but because he's that combination of that lethal step that Ham was mentioning off both feet, as well as his just ability to, to find the contact points and that cause issues in defense. And he, he's so good at it. And, yeah, what a player. And just casually, 94% tackle efficiency. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's been his strength, you know, his whole career. He's had, he's, like, even when he had a bad year last year, his defensively was good. It's just his offense and... You know, I feel as though he's he's, so, he's like the be- he's the fastest half in the comp, and he's the best defending half in the comp. You know, like we used to praise back in the day, Jeff Robson for being defensively good. His guy is ten times better. He, well, he leg cuts. He might just be the he, the best running half in the comp too now. 
is making a serious claim for that title. Can he goal kick at least? Or He has no. goal kicked in the past, but I don't think he practices it too much. He's been the emergency kicker. I know he took a few in the Holden Cup here and there, but he's, uh, I imagine he's one of those boys, if he put his mind to it, he'd probably be a reasonable goal kicker. Um, so let's just have a look through some of the other things that came up in the game. I thought our forward pack was really, really good. Um, unfortunately, just not defending areas on our line um, is something that keeps coming up. Uh, obviously, they turned that around in the second half and as to be, to be fair, 40 touched they, on. They weren't errors on our line in so much as they were kicks out of possession that we made a meal of. Yeah, I guess in one circumstance, but there was also, yeah, it's just, it's it's really frustrating. The, the one to Gutha, you can understand, that was just him out a meal of it and he doesn't do that very often. Um, but but there was one other one. It's like, oh come on, guys, you got to back it up. And and well, and if obviously that that one on the goal line where it was Rapano was sort of horizontal. What's illegal? Play, play the ball. Yeah, exactly. But you still so you had the sorry, you had to play in, you had to play injured and wider kicks are you know near it. Like it just and the two players kept collide. Like I just feel as though we scrambled well, but it's just um, if it wasn't for a second phase or second phase play. Um, we're pretty much comfortable the whole time. Yeah, and Canberra came into this game with a clear plan to offload aggressively both Papali'i, their Papali'i, uh, and Tapane uh, through a number of, like, not reckless, but uh, opportunistic offloads in, in heavy contact. And they played some good football on the back of it. And But like you said, Hamish, it certainly wasn't the perfect game for the Eels. Obviously, the, the defensive resolve in the second half was outstanding. But we conceded at least... I mean, all, of, all three of those tries sting, really. But uh, those two tries off kicks, we need to do a better job of either taking out the ball, in Gufferson's case, or getting around the guy that's uh, contesting the the kick. So, yeah, by far, by far and away, not the polish, like fully polished performance, but certainly a good building block. Yeah. Um. Nathan Brown, I thought he had a bit more impact, mm-hmm. and obviously that path to Lane was an absolute peach. Yeah, he, um, um, Laney, gosh, he just—he uh, doesn't <laughs> look like a uh, a graceful person in, no, in, in full flight. He, he is he? a giraffe <laughs> once he gets into stumbling about and you know in full motion there in full flight. Uh, but, but you know he didn't didn't get greedy. He probably passed a smidge early to deal, but yeah, it's good to see Laney playing good football. I think you know for the most part this year he's been pretty good. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely Brownie's best game in a while and he did some good stuff too not just that past the lane but he uh, did some real tough work back in behind the ruck running into the teeth of that Canberra defense when they were trying to set the tone in the second half and I thought he did good in that capacity he went over 100 meters off I think 10 carries which is very solid yeah just the, the Packers unit operated really well I had my heart in my mouth when uh, Xavier Savage stayed down seeing that it was Mariah making the tackle um, oh mate i I'd was almost guaranteed they were going to send Ben in. Yeah, it just uh, you, you know, know Murata's history and his bad luck with some of that stuff. You, you think? Did he even hit, I didn't even. I, I watched no, the replay. He, he didn't hit him in the head. No, nah, he didn't. He nah. got him square in the chest, and the, uh, thankfully he didn't invoke that dreaded word that's starting to worm its way into the lexicon of the bunker. But there was no call of whiplash uh, there for hitting the guy square in the chest. Uh, but yeah, I, I was no no knock on Xavier Savage, who I actually enjoy watching. He's an exciting young player. But if you're going to – I don't know if he was simulating uh, or if he just got, like, you know, real dusty from the hit. But if you're going to go down like that, you need to be HIA straight away. Well, well you know who was simulating? Josh Papali. <laughs> Dylan Brown touches his ear and he's down like he's been, sh- you know, <laughs> shot in the head. Yeah. So still, there's still ways to exploit the old HIA rules, even with the bunker being in charge. Uh, but speaking of the bunker, boys, and I suppose, Hamish, you're probably going to preempt us at some point to talk about it, but – uh, when do we start asking about how much the refs know the rules of the game? Yeah, it was quite um, strange, that one. Uh, you've brought it up, uh, 40. 
but um, obviously the determination between weeks is completely different calls. And we're talking about the play, of course, where Rapana bats the ball forward, goes to try to take control, but is um, tackled by um, Opacech before he can have a second go at the ball. Um, Whereas last week in the Newcastle game, uh, the call from the bunker was that you cannot, uh, sorry, that you can tackle a player up if made the first. Tamari Martin lit lit Frizzell up in the process of trying to score a try. And they said, yeah, once you've touched the ball and even if you haven't brought it into possession uh, or control rather, you are the possessor of the ball. Like you're the last person to be actively touched the ball and it's fair game. And well, because that's, well, that's what I thought. Well, at the game, I didn't understand. That's always like, how I've, I've interpreted the rules, having played league and union myself. I've always seen it officiated that way. Yeah, you, you're you're essentially in possession of the ball, and they, they used the wording, I believe, that said he wasn't able to negate, negate the knock on. Knock on. Since, yeah. when, since when? That, when is that? Uh, oh, let, oh, I'll give him a free go at, to catch this ball. No, smash him. I thought you could also have the the argument the other way, and I think um, from memory, uh, was it Hayne got pulled up for this once? You can't bat the ball yeah, over, you can't do a bat over a defender. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think on both sides of the coin, it's like, you know, you can't just let an opposition player have a free run to the football um, in that circumstance, and you know, consistency. That's all we ask for is just yeah, you know, literally weak. And that that was the mission statement of the bunker being brought in. And that's why I still think the bunker conceptually is a good idea. You know, you do want to have a centralised uh, figure or, or entity that can adjudicate all of the games across the weekend with the most advanced technology available, but clearly the ones operating the bunker do not know what consistency means and cannot apply consistency, as we've seen with the obstruction rule in recent weeks. I know that Graham Annesley had a whole chat about the obstruction rule today on his debrief. Didn't talk about our situation, though. Uh, pointedly ignored the fact that there was a very controversial call that not only went against us, but then deprived us of our challenge. Yeah, I we think... Um, the- Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think I might have said it on the before on the podcast, but to me, the bunker needs to be Graham Annesley, needs to be the head of uh, the referees and possibly the head of football, whoever that is. Yeah, if but if you've, got, if you've got the big dogs making the shots or calling the shots there, there's no one else that you can blame and they have to be held, the, held accountable. Is, it'll be the same ones every every game. It'll be the same ones every game. Like, they get paid the big bucks... They're the ones that have got to do it. Well, you know, you've got to give up your Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for these, for this. Because you can't keep, you know, you, you want to talk about consistency and, you know, you can't have referees, you can't have the same referee for eight games. But you're sitting there looking at television screens for a couple of hours in the night and the afternoon. Surely, surely they can do that. They just don't want to or they haven't thought about it. And it's just like, you want consistency. Well, they could, they can put those consistent people in. And they're getting they're getting paid, you know, a lot more money than I am. And I watch that amount of footy every week. Surely they can. Well, what's the head of referee? What's Sutton's brother doing? Is, is he a Monday to Friday guy? Clocks off happy hour, and you know, like what does he do in the weekend? Like, I get you don't have to work seven days, but surely he he should be in the bunker for the weekend, and he can have his assistant run you know, run training during the week. Like, it's ridiculous. I don't I don't. Stand. And we get the, the least experienced referees every week. Look, I'm not crying for Ashley Klein or Sutton or even Adam G. But every week it seems like, who is this guy? And like, how many games has he ref? Like, I've never seen this this Bart Simpson guy in my life. Well, he actually, it was, it was his debut um, against the Dragons, I believe, when we played the Dragons. Yeah. Uh, like the, the, I don't want to move on too quickly from this, but the other incident that really grinded my gears to pull a Peter Griffin was late in the game. And thankfully, because of a dumb Corey Horsburgh kick, it didn't cost us anything. But 
Quinton Gufferson was taken out in the air in the sort of contest that we always get penalized for. Every single time we have someone going for the ball, even if they're playing legitimately for the ball, if they bump the opposition defender out of the contest, we always get done for it. And Gufferson got taken out by a guy who wasn't even actually up in the same sort of stratosphere of contestants for the ball. He undercut Guffo and there was just play on. So I mean, last week we had a try. Yeah, Hayes, Hayes, Hayes Perham, exactly. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing wrong in the standpoint of contesting kicks, but it feels like we get adjudicated differently to some other teams. All right. Away from that, uh, Simonson, probably one of his better games yeah. Yeah, well, for the club. He so, just seems to be going strength to strength, really. We're so used to, or at least, you know, in a doomsday sense, so used to complaining about, oh, no, that ex-para player or ex-para junior is going to have the revenge game against us. It's nice to be on the other side of the ledger, isn't it? Seeing the former player from the other club absolutely carve up his uh, uh, one-time employers, he was very. And he celebrated good. both tries with the crowd. Oh, yeah, he, he really got he, up, pumped up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's. Uh, you know, we talked about that similar trajectory as Quinton Gufferson during his first season with the Eels, having that sort of slow start and earning the ire of a, a fair chunk of the fan base. But Bowie's just going from strength to strength, and he he is a player that. There's, uh, he's got enough to his game that I would like to see us every now and then just throw him in as some teams like to bring the one winger from one side to the other side during the red zone and use him as that second fullback. I would like to see him get a few of those looks because he just makes – What the Raiders happen. do with Rapana. Yeah, he, exactly. Rapana. I think the Roosters do it with uh, Suwali every now and then as well. Uh, there's a couple of teams that don't mind bringing their other winger in and, and giving them some interesting looks. And he just – he has enough of a – something like, you know, just that footwork before the line, the ability to push through contact that suggests that he could make a, a few things happen for us. Um, and then I'm just trying to think who else. Um, obviously, Penasini, he's, he'll have to uh, make, well, he's got plenty of time to make it through HIA protocols. Um, but um, that was, was a nasty dusty. head clash yeah. of those two. He got real dusty, yeah. couldn't get to his feet clean. And um, Wonga Blake was solid in his return. You know, he went a bit HK in the beginning running. I thought he was going to be gassed out by halftime, but he was very solid. Yeah, he, the, the only thing was I think he probably wasn't – he couldn't quite find his fifth gear. There was a, a line break or two where he sort of just hit the cruise control and didn't try and push himself too hard as he, you know, tested limits of that knee. But, yeah, he had one drop ball in terms of that attacking kick where he just couldn't bring it in. Otherwise, he was really good. And it's nice having a, a winger back in there. And this is no attack on Hayes Perham. But, you know, just Wang is so big and athletic that the opposition couldn't bully him defensively. When he was rucking the ball out, you could just see the difference. He could, you know, create those eight, nine, ten, eleven meters uh, crucially early in the set. And then, um, what did we think of the the change rounds in the forward pack? I thought it really assisted to have that that punch off the bench of both Madison and um, who was I thinking is the second player that was giving punch? Makatoa. No, Makatoa. He's been a bit down on form recently, unfortunately. Um, Madison. Uh, Brown coming on and um, Isaiah Papali starting in the middle. So, gosh. Amarada starting. I I don't know. I thought the bench had a lot more balance this week. We didn't have that significant drop-off. It's it's a game that VA wants. Like, now we've got pretty much everyone fit, barring Stone in Dunster, so just cancel them out. This is pretty much everyone fit now. This is the sort of game VA wants to play. Right up the middle, hit hard, short passes around the ruck, short passes amongst the forwards. These are the players that can do it. Like this, so we're now see like we're now seeing BA's game plan in effect, essentially. And I think that having Brownie and Maddo come off the bench, you know, we've, we've had we've had we've called for Maddo to start, but he plays sixty five anyway. Like coming off the bench, doesn't have to share. I was thinking about it today actually. If you start Maddo, he's got to share the attacking duties 
with Reg and Junior, whereas you bring him on after those two, or you replace Matto with those two. He's he's the he's one and two. He's one or two. Whereas there, he'd have to be number three when you're thinking about. There's only so many mouths you can feed in a forward pack if you've got all of them in there at once. And yeah, so, you've only, you've only got five tackles, and three of them are taken up by backs running the ball up essentially. So I think that you know he's playing 65 minutes anyway. I think this is Maddo's Maddo's spot. I think this is Maddo's role within the team. Um, and I think that you know the way he's playing and the way he's playing off the bench, he's still worth five hundred thousand dollars. I I, be, I believe. He's still playing at 65 minutes, whether he's starting or coming off the bench. He's still going to be playing 65. So, no, I, I like it. I, I think that... I, sound, um, I don't want to yeah. sound controversial, but look, and I know that he's a fan favorite for people, but I think Makatoa sort of plateaued a bit. Like, he's sort of like Oregon last year where you expect him or you want him to step up. But if I'm him, I'll be fearing, you know, over my shoulder after this buy, you know, Rodwell, you know, do, killing it in the reserve grade and maybe Ogden coming through because yeah, I, I he's think, sort of like plateaued or he's just... Paddling at the moment. Yeah, I, I think I like Kai Rodwell and I think he'll get a look too. But if you're looking for a guy that can bring punch off the bench, I think Ogden's going to be the man. Uh, he'll he'll come back after that bye, had that shoulder injury he sustained way back against the Dragons. But I think he's in good shape now and I think he'll be potentially a difference maker, a guy to give you that punch for 10 to 20 minutes off the bench. And look, I'm not trying to be negative, but like you got to look at it. Like, say, if he's not playing reserve grade Makoto, he's getting what, 20, 25 minutes on the bench? While them two, Rodwell Rod, Rod and Ogden, they could begin 50, 60 minutes in reserve grade. And they, you know, there's more of a sample, like the sample size is a bit small. Like, it's kind of like, um, who was it? Like, um, when Penny was playing reserve grade, he was unbelievable defensively in reserve grade. He never missed a tackle. Come the first grade, and he just, you know, he was off a bit, and he just defensive was his, his best game. So I don't know. Maybe put him down the reserves, get some, you know, 50, 60 minutes into him. Yeah. The whole bench rotation will be interesting after the ball, and everyone be. Right, well, I think that's enough chat um, of the review. But, yes, nice to get three grades all get a win down in the nation's capital. Um, so, yeah, when's the uh, upcoming investigation of storming the capital? Well, speaking of investigations, Parramatta has only got one penalty this game. You know, as we know with Manly, that's grounds for an investigation. <laughs> I thought, um, you know, I, I, I thought both teams gave as good as they got in the ruck. And yeah, that, that's what the play to ball speed says. That Canberra yeah. absolutely copped it from us too. Whereas against Manly, they were at three point three to our four seconds. Clearly, you know, getting away with spoiling tactics. Uh, I wasn't upset about the officiating of this game in the context of the ruck like that. It was more just that one bizarre instance and the Quinton Gufferson taking out the effing. All right, let's jump into the Origin teams now. So uh, as we had hoped, or at least we thought, um, picked on form, uh, Junior Paulo, Regan Campbell-Gillard and Ryan Madison all named in the team. Um, Now it seems that those Junes will start like last year and then RCG and Maddo appear to be in the top 17 but from the bench um, bizarrely um, (laughs) the the centre slash utility uh, seemed to be flipped the wrong way but um, what makes it even crazier is Fitler was on 360 today saying that the guy he picked on the bench is there because of his defensive nous as a centre what what yeah Freddie's, um, I hope he's playing reverse Queensland mind games, yeah. please. That's, <laughs> we all Honestly, hope. I have not been this excited for an Origin series, I'm going to say, since 2014. Well, Queensland, Queensland have picked a good team, too. This is going yeah, to be a good one. Oh, yeah. Two very good teams. Two, like, they seem to be evenly matched. Last year, last year, and even the year before, I thought New South Wales were clear favourites, and um, Queensland brought in a, a, a coach that's actually a coach, and... New South Wales are out coach, that's why they lost. Um, but, you know, both teams are, both squads are very strong. 
They've got a lot of talent. It's an interesting game. I think there's some odd picks in both teams. I'm not sure about Daniel Tupo. Um, he's solid, but, you know, JAC has done himself no favour signing with the Dogs, but I still think that he's, I think he's the one. Um, Jack Whiten, I don't think should be playing Origin at all. Um, I believe, you know, blue and gold bias. It should be Clinton Gutherson on the bench. If you're talking about utility, he's, he's the ultimate utility. Um, but, yeah, there's some very good teams. And, you know, three Parramatta Eels players. What, it's 2020 we had a couple? Yeah. But but this like this one, out of the four middle forwards, we've got three of them. Four, five, five middle forwards. Five middle forwards. We've got three of them. Like, this is this is really good for us. This is really good. And I, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm not a fan of State of Origin. I believe <laughs> I've, I've joked in our Discord that um, City Country was better. Um, but seeing the teams has changed my mind a little bit. Hopefully, and you know, you know the one big thing that changed my mind? No, Jake Trevojevic. Yeah, that oh was a big goodness. one. I, I know we have to we have to wear Jacob Saifidi being picked in the extended squad, bizarrely, but yeah, Jake has plotted. I mean, he's still a good club level player, but he's been plotting it up instead of Origin for a while. Oh, if he was picked, I just I think I would have just gone. Nah, I do not care. The fact they picked Joseph Sawali in the squad also makes me think that uh, that's you know bring Why? the kids in late. Like bring, I understand you got to bring them in, you got to give put them in that environment, but mate, name your squad. And then give those give the young guys a call, say two or three days later, say, "Hey, I want you to come into the Origin camp. There's going to be no fanfare about it. We're just going to bring you in, give you a taste, you know, because we believe that you're a future Origin player. But don't, no, don't name them as part of the squad. The the biggest pro for us in regards of Joseph Swallow getting picked means that there's an outside chance that Will Penasini will also get invited to camp at some point this year. Uh, that that's what I'm going into at least. Yeah, I don't think so. There's a lot of good centres, and whilst Will um, has a lot of potential, I, I think he need, probably needs another year or two to apply his trade in first grade. It's it's um, this Queensland team, man. You know, the fact is, Jai Arrow's not even in the start in the 18, sorry, 17. Like, he's there. He was there for Arrow's been very, very poor for the Rabbitohs this year. You won't be seeing many Rabbitohs fans um, screaming for him to be in the team. Well, okay, what about um, uh, Sims for us? Like, do you think he. Warrant a selection, or was it just he's like the only one that's healthy at the moment? Yeah, I guess um, Sims probably hasn't been banging down the door, but we've seen him on this stage before. Um, there's a bit of incumbency there. Whereas I thought you you could see some of the Cowboys' younger outside backs like Nanai and that are sort of like knocking down the door to get a selection. Um, whereas I guess for New South Wales, I guess you can put your hand up for Madison, but he's played more in the middle rather than on an edge, um, particularly in his where he's been showing form this year. So there's nobody really in that second row position banging down the door. Maybe Crichton was Crichton picked in the team. I can't even remember. Angus, no, I think yeah. he's dropped. No, yeah, I guess he's the only other one. But I guess Rooster's slow start to the year sort of um, unfortunately picked him up. But I just wanted one thing. Um, Hammy sort of touched upon it. JAC uh, out out of the squad. I guess that's a uh, um, even the the sign of signing with the Bulldogs will get you seen uh, yeah. out of yeah, the Origin sphere I and greedy. That, that stuff yeah. has fallen. Um, so I, I hope the extra two hundred grand a year is, is is worth never getting any rep on us. Speaking of uh, Judas. Like, I think it's safe to say us, all of us last year, you know, were banging the door saying he should be playing. I don't think not one of us would even want him to – he even deserves to play Queensland. Yeah, no, nah, his form's certainly been down since last year, since he's he's taken the 
the the curse money of money over at Bulldogs, and still they haven't been able to announce him. But yet, apparently, the Bulldogs are in the race to sign Madison. Like, <laughs> God, there's some bullshit out there. That, that, if, for anybody that uh, cling on to to Fox Sports and Daily Telegraph reporting, gosh. Have a look at the state of things and to yeah. see that they've got absolutely no idea. I think Gordon Tallis last night was saying um, about uh, BA finally realising that Dylan Brown's best spot's at 5 eighths. And it's like, well, fucking hell. Are we all Are missing like six or seven backs, you know? <laughs> maybe um, Reed's uh, shoulder, maybe not that good. Maybe he doesn't have full you know, mobility or full strength because some of his passes on the weekend were like, Atrocious. He almost did kick that forty twenty though. It just didn't take that. He could have. He could have had. Yeah. Well, should have had Reg over for the opening try for the Eels too. Just mm. held onto the ball a little bit too long. But, so, but some of them are just, just slow because, like, by the time he throws it, like the defense line is like a couple of yards away. And from and uh, you know, it's just the, the two times good. he tried to engage the markers, he got it wrong and got the ball knocked out of his hands. Although at least one of those times was a Canberra knock on. To be fair, that the uh, touch he just missed. But yeah, yeah you got to watch that from Canberra. Steals, I guess, without Hodgson there, it's it's not as prevalent. But yeah, but they do steals like and, and they like to play at the arms. Yeah, and they got their high IQ football team. Like you know that try, Elliot. You know who? How many of us would have thought of that score there? True. Other than that, um, but can I just say how the how the beep is um Ben Huntley the Daly M's is Ruan Sims voting every game. <laughs> he's actually been really, really good this season in a, in a not great side. Yeah, so he's been their the best player, games. and he, he farms he, the three and two point votes. If he wins this, this is a, this will be the equivalent of when um, the Fum won the halfback of the year, like in a week competition. I don't think it's even that egregious. I think that's always been the issue with Delhi M's. You be a really good player on a really bad team, and you're going to steal all the votes. It's sort of when Hayne won it. Uh, not in 2009, but in his second one. It's like, you know, that team uh, didn't make the top eight, but he just uh, got a lot of votes because he was the best player, easily the best player Mm -hmm. on a really bad team. And that's always been the issue. Well, I guess another issue is um, who the Delhi judges are. (laughs) Sometimes you just shake your head when you look at, like, Rapana got two points from the weekend. Like Sometimes you just got to shake your head. Um, Look, Rugby League Week had it figured out years and years ago, and I know it's more work-intensive having to vote for every player on a 1-10 to 10 scale, but uh, their metrics always not – it didn't always produce the necessarily who people think was the best player, but it certainly rewarded consistency across the whole weight of a season. And uh, invariably, at the end of their voting, the guy that got the, the top gong was probably justified. So, I don't know, the Daly M's unfortunately becomes more and more comical of every year between the, the clown votes, like we've said in the past, of Ryan Sims – Giving Appy Corriso the two points in our forty to what was a forty four to twenty beating of Manly during our spoon run in twenty eighteen and a couple other incidents similar to that. It just yeah, it's unfortunately for the premier awards for the game, it's not a good look. All right, will we wrap it up there? Yes, sir. That's good to me. We're on the bye. Got um do we have the South Cup this week? Got cup and flag, yep. So we'll come back for another episode with the cup and flag. Mm-hmm. Once those teams are announced on Tuesday evening. Might get them on time. And then and then um We'll enjoy the break, a well-earned rest, because there's a couple of niggles. It's like uh, we ball. get the Jubilee game, the Platinum Jubilee game on uh, Monday week, whatever it is. It's the Queen's birthday one weekend, The right? double Platinum Jubilee. Yeah, 60 years, is what? it? Even it's, though it's not, ah, it's not her birthday. No, it's uh, it's uh, as a monarch, she's yeah. been in there for 60 years. Oh, that's right, it is too, yeah. What do you reckon, Brad? I thought it was up to 70. Was it 70? I thought, yeah, 75 well, well, yeah, or something. Yeah, because she's 96, so. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. 
Yeah, back to footy talk. What do you reckon Brad Arthur's going to do with 15 days? He's going to drive his wife and kids mad. <laughs> I think Jay- Jacob Arthur's going to ask for a transfer somewhere. Get the, like, get the poor man out the bar and have a holiday. Yeah. Oh, that's smart. That would actually be a smart idea. All right, guys, we'll wrap it up there. So thanks for joining for the review, and um, how good to have uh, a treble down in the nation's capital. Yes, always so nice. Cheers. Catch you on the next one. Cheers, Ada. Go, Cara. Good on your parade, you brave and bold. You're fighting here to